Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 318. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you for taking the time to join me if you're listening to this as this goes out the day after Christmas, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas if you celebrate. If not, whatever you celebrate, happy holidays and soon to a happy new year. If you're listening to this in the future, welcome future. I hope the world is still around and it is a wonderful place for everybody to be in. I'm excited to talk to our guest today, Lawson, who's the executive director at Atlantis. Now, you may have heard about Atlantis if you uh, talk to your pre-med advisor, if you uh, are part of a pre-med club, maybe Atlantis has come to talk to you about their global healthcare experiences and what those can do for you. And then in the other ear, you may be hearing from students or from admissions committee members that you shouldn't go and do these things because they're bad and what we're doing in these other countries is not great. And so we're gonna have a discussion with Lawson about these global healthcare experiences, what you should be looking for, what you should be avoiding, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Lawson from Atlantis. Lawson, welcome to the pre-med years. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Who is Lawson? What What do you do in this world with Atlantis and in your life? Uh, so my name is Lawson. Uh, I'm the executive director with Atlantis, and we're an organization based in Washington, D.C. Um, we do international programs for pre-med students, so that's really you know what I'm about. I've been working here for over three years. And we're really passionate about, you know, great programs for pre-med students in the international space. Yeah. It, so this question comes up all the time amongst pre-meds is, 
uh, I was approached by uh, our our pre med group on campus, and and they have a connection with Atlantis or Global Brigades or sure. whoever it may be. The the hundred and one different companies out there doing this type <laughs> of thing. They and they they say, is it worth it to to go on one of these trips? What right. what is the draw for a student to even begin to think about going international to? to have a medical experience? Well, that's a great question. I, I've definitely thought very deeply about it as someone who, you know, really has helped start and grow an international program for pre-med students. Um, and that's the question we hear uh, all the time is, you know, what is the value? Why should I consider it? You know, is it a good fit for me or not? Um, how will medical schools look at these types of experiences? And it's, um, to be frank, it's a difficult question. I think it really depends on the student. Um, I think it, I think you have to be like any good sort of pre-med student would, would be preparing for medical school, be very thoughtful about the story that you're crafting, uh, the narrative, um, you know, assuming that you have a strong GPA and an MCAT, I, I think beyond that medical schools are looking for, you know, what is the story of this person that that's, you know, I'm seeing on a resume or in an interview. And global experiences can be a big part of that story for some candidates. Um, you definitely don't want global experiences to sort of come across as manufactured or fake. Um, and I think that's sort of the fear that some students have if they do a program like Atlantis or something else, is that, um, you know, it's not as real or, you know, somehow it's not as valuable in the medical school process. But I think that it you know, properly done and, and understood can be a, a really significant part of, of the application, uh, of a student's application. And, and we've seen that done successfully and unsuccessfully in our alums um, in the application process for med school. So we can, you know, dive into what, you know, what is a good way to sort of think about the value and what are some common misconceptions there? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. You said manufactured uh, yeah. it, as a, as as a term that you used, a, a student either goes on these or doesn't. So if a student does go on these, what would be a manufactured way of, of going on this versus one that more ties in with their story? What do you mean by that? Yeah, I sort of mean manufactured, I guess, in two senses. One is in the sense that sometimes, and you, you need to ask good questions, uh, sometimes global experiences or global programs in, in in health are not sort of done responsibly or in a you know where the incentive structure is going to really be helpful for the education of the student going. So sometimes, for instance, the program might you know make a big payment to a physician. Sometimes maybe the student to physician ratio is not very good. Sometimes you know the the program itself could actually seem like a high priority. But when you get there on the ground in a foreign country and you meet the healthcare partner, you realize the priority is not uh, is not really towards the student's education or experience. Even it's more it, it sort of was built up too much in the marketing. So that's I think that's one side of being careful with the manufacturing experience. The other side is just as a pre med student when you're thinking about crafting your narrative and your story. I think often students think that. Everyone else is, it has a global experience or they see that on, you know, in medical school 
websites, admissions websites that, you know, they like seeing students with global experiences. And so they think I've got to have this if I'm going to be uh, competitive. And that's just not true. Uh, you definitely don't need to have global experiences to get into a great medical school. Um, and so sometimes students just sort of rush into, okay, I need to check off this box. I need to go abroad. I need to volunteer. I need to do something. Um, and, and that's not really sort of a thoughtful way to approach it either. Yeah. For, for students looking into getting shadowing experience, getting healthcare experience, there are plenty of areas in the United States that uh, are are more underserved and mm. are poverty stricken, like maybe places that Atlantis goes. What's mm. the the benefit of going overseas versus finding an area here in the U.S. that that needs some help and and the student can get some experience as well? Well, that's a great question, Ryan, and it's a common misconception that we deal with on Atlantis that we work in under resourced areas. Um, over 90% of our programs actually are in uh, very strong sort of first world European hospitals. Um, and so we, there is sort of a conflation, I think, in the U.S. pre-med community of this idea of sort of global health and in more developing or under-resourced areas that if I go abroad, I'm typically going to volunteer or to serve. Um and in the case of our programs, that's really not the purpose. Um, and we have to sort of clarify that with students. Um, so I don't think on, on our particular program that you would ha have that issue of sort of deciding, you know, it's not our program is not really a service program. I do think, you know, speaking to that question, we, we have run some programs in low resourced areas. It really, I actually am a big proponent of I mean, I would actually recommend that students sort of look in their backyard more for these, you know, if you're, if you are trying to do volunteer work or work with a, an underprivileged community in health, uh, there's so many opportunities to do that in the U S and there's so much need. Um, and you don't have to deal with some of this, you know, strange ethical situations you might get into or, uh, some of the cross-cultural things as much if you do that in the U S. Um, so I think students often don't really look at Thing, you know, maybe rural health care or urban poverty or that type of thing as much as they should um, when thinking about volunteer programs. Uh, but if you're really bent on, on going abroad, I think, the, I think it is particularly challenging to find a, a sort of uh, professional and ethical global health program for pre-med students if you're going into a low-resource environment. It's just harder. Uh, there's uh, an organization called Child Family Health International, CFHI, that runs some, has sort of a great program model for that. But there are a lot of sort of shady volunteer programs, uh, and, and no disrespect to them, but I really don't think that at the end of the day they're, they're being super thoughtful about how they do those programs. And as a pre-med student, um, you, you can get into some sort of iffy situations that you don't want to talk about. On, on your medical school applications, probably. Yeah, so um, let's talk about that. That there seems to be a a big backlash in the medical school admissions community, and I think mm -hmm. it's it's reverberating through the pre med world. Of I shouldn't do any of these travel abroad kind of shadowing experiences 
because medical schools will look down on that experience, and so I should just avoid them. What yeah. what is the what's coming out of these different travel opportunities, abroad opportunities for students that that medical schools are seeing students mm. write about and going, yeah, no, that's not okay. Yeah, great question. Um, and as sort of a preface to this, I do think it's it's sort of too bad that um, students are wary about global experiences because I do think there's so much that can be learned from a good global uh, health experience. But it has it has been happening that um, medical schools are looking closer at this. There's been pressure, I think, both from inside of medical schools but also from other sort of inf- influencers and thought leaders um, outside of medical school that have been pushing this, uh, researchers, sociologists, academics. Um, so it's sort of coming from both directions. I think the thing that medical schools are particularly concerned about, and I won't, I don't think it's every medical school admissions committee, by the way. I think it depends on the committee. Some committees are, are, or some admissions uh, committees are very concerned about this and very particular about it, and some don't care quite as much, I think. Uh, that's just sort of realistically how it is. But um, I think the thing that the ones that are concerned about it are concerned about is very, very simple. It's uh, a person, doesn't have to be a student. It's a, it's a general principle that a person should not be practicing medicine uh, in an unlicensed way. So they sh- so in general, um, you should not do things that you're not trained to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a very sort of common sense principle that makes sense to all of us. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, this has happened in global health that um, because of miscommunications, typically really more miscommunications than anything, and also because of the, the sort of great need that there is in some of these uh, lower resource communities abroad uh, that students have been put into positions where they've been asked to help with things like delivering babies or stitching someone up or whatever it is and they feel a lot of pressure the you know local healthcare practitioners are often you know pushing them or may not understand that they're not medical students or trained and it's a very difficult and there may be language barriers it's a very difficult situation and I don't think many pre-med students, you know, go in intending to do bad things, but because of the situation, sometimes they do. And then the real challenge is sometimes I think uh, pre-med students don't even really realize that doing any sort of practical medicine uh, without training is, is really not, not smart and really not ethical. Um, and so sometimes they want to sort of brag about that on an application. And that's where you really can start to get into trouble in the current environment is if you talk about, if you do and then talk about extensively in a personal statement or an interview, you know, what happened. Um, and, you know, there are extremes of this and you know, people like to talk about the extremes of, oh, I can't believe this person did X, Y, and Z. A lot of times it's it's even more minor things like, um I don't know, taking a physical or taking blood pressure, even stuff like that. You know, there's sort of a gray area on some of these practices. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more uh, some admissions committees might even sort of look look badly upon, you know, a student even being supervised taking a patient's blood pressure 
if they're not if they don't have any sort of qualifications to do that, even if they were supervised. Um, and so it depends on who you're talking about. There's sort of a range of reactions to this uh, type of thing, uh, but it it is coming up more. Yeah, and students. You talked about students being pressured into some of these situations, but a mm-hmm. lot of times students think that that's what they're paying for is to go to go yeah. to these countries and do things yeah. that they can't do here because it's yeah. a, a third world country and I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's a very reflective way to sort of approach medicine in general. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, yes, you, you can definitely go do that. Um, I don't think you'll you know, make a great physician probably if you continue with that sort of flippant attitude towards uh, training and licensing and thinking about the patient uh, uh, first. But, um, but no, I mean, and we do, you know, at Atlantis, we have, a, you know, a decently serious application process and we sort of vet for that on the front end. But it, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should treat sort of a global health experience as this adventure where you can sort of try out things on, on foreign patients, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that would work well. What? Why should a student be looking at these uh, foreign health experiences when it's like, well, I I can get shadowing here. Why do I need to go shadow yeah. halfway across the, the world? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've done we've actually done some internal surveys on our uh, s- uh, students who enroll in our alumni. And we had a, de- a pretty decent sample size the last time we did this. I think it was you know, 350, 400 pre-med students. Um, and we asked them, you know, how difficult is it to get shadowing opportunities in the U.S.? Um, interestingly, only about 15% of students said, uh, you know, it's easy. I can, I can, it was easy to get shadowing opportunities. The vast majority, about 55%, said, um, it's quite hard to get shadowing opportunities, but I can. It's possible. I can. I can figure it out. Um, and then there's a strong minority, about 28, uh, 30 percent of the students, that said, basically, it's it's very hard. It's been very very difficult for me to find quality shadowing. Um, and and so you have that sort of minority. And I think I don't know if that's reflective of the general pre med population, um, but I you know we do hear quite a few students say they have difficulty. So so one reason, obviously, if you can find a quality global health program uh, that's doing things in sort of an ethical way is just that it's easier. Uh, it's, uh, it's not as uh, the incentive structure and the sort of the way that hospitals work in a place like Europe um, are more open to training, more open to observation. Uh, they have extra capacity that sometimes U.S. hospitals don't have. Um, and the physicians sort of have a different mindset on pay and compensation and the value of my time uh, than the U.S. physicians, than U.S. physicians typically do. So they're typically a little more open to it. So that's one reason. Um, the second I would definitely say is, is, is obviously sort of the comparative healthcare aspect. One of the reasons that we think uh, spending quality time in a hospital in Europe which is primarily what we do, can be very important for a pre-med student, um, is that Europe's healthcare system is obviously a single-payer healthcare system uh, in general. Well, you know, the different countries in Europe typically have a, a single-payer system. And the U.S. has wrestled with that 
uh, debate for a long time internally, and, and there's parts of our sort of policy that's headed that direction. Um, but it's very helpful, I think, for students to get sort of to really live in and understand the pros and cons of, of the single payer system, especially if you want to have any sort of act activity or voice in, in policy of your, you know, inside of healthcare. But, you know, I don't, I definitely don't think that, you know, that everyone needs to go abroad to shadow. I don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, I wish it was true or <laughs> it would be larger uh, if that was true. But um, I guess the third thing, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, is really sort of the quality at the end of the day of the shadowing that you're getting. Um, a lot of students look at shadowing as sort of a checkoff or clinical experience in general. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, I, I know I know I need to have some clinical experiences, so I'll scribe, I'll, you know, shadow, family, friend, whatever. Um, and a lot of what we do at Atlantis is try to educate students on the idea that shadowing is not really sort of a checkoff so that you can put it on your resume you really should look at it as a an opportunity to understand medicine and to understand the life of a doctor because this is what you want to do for your whole life. Um, and if it's done well, then you can really sort of earlier on than other people experientially sort of understand if this is where you want to invest your time and career. Um, and so, you know, that's really what we're trying to do with our programs is give students that sort of intensive, they actually rotate through different specialties in the hospital, but, you know, sort of an intentional, intensive, like varied exposure to real medicine. Um, and we can talk about this more, but I think, you know, students come away with all kinds of very sort of, it's kind of funny. I mean, very sort of everyday takeaways from the life of a doctor that, um, they might not get if they shadow in the U.S. because shadowing in the U.S. can sometimes be done a little bit differently. It's, it's usually a little more focused. Like you find one person and you shadow that one person for a long time. And, mm. you know, it's not usually not in a hospital setting. It can be sometimes, but it's rare. But like little takeaways like, wow, um, you know, doctors spend a lot of their time doing paperwork. And <laughs> wow, um, you know. I really don't like surgery and this type of stuff. So there's a lot of very important takeaways um, that are just a little bit easier for, to, to happen, I think, in, a, in the settings we're working in. But, you know, if you can get it in the U.S., by all means, go for it. Do you see a proportion of students who are going on these global healthcare experiences because they're interested in global health, or does it really come down to shadowing is really hard to find here in the States, so I'm going to open up my wallet? Yeah, good question. I think all of our students at some level are interested in global health. I think there's sort of a range of interest. Certainly, all of them are, you know, they tend to be sort of more adventurous, interested in global things, travel, that sort of thing. I think there's a degree to which it, you know, students are, you know, who really have, who struggle to find clinical experiences in the U.S. go on Atlantis really just only for the clinical experience. But um, I think that's kind of rare. I think it's typically someone who has an interest in global, global things and, and global health. And in addition, sees the opportunity for clinical experience as a plus. 
one of the the things with the pre-med world like anything in life is there's the the haves and the have-nots and yeah. i i hate to have a group of students who get a quote quote unquote advantage of yeah. being able to go overseas in these global healthcare experiences because they can afford it or so their parents can afford it mm-hmm. what uh, what sort of resources are out there for students who maybe don't have the the funding of, of their parents or um, themselves with a job that can afford this? Financing is sort of the biggest question that we regularly get with our programs. And, you know, our programs are definitely not cheap. I don't think, you know, there's not really a super easy way to go abroad in general for, you know, a few weeks or a month or however long you go uh, without spending thousands of dollars on that. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to, to sort of bootstrap it, but on our end, so if you if you're talking about the the program that you're going through, you should really pay attention to how they think about financial aid, scholarships, fundraising, these types of things. There's there are easier, uh, for instance, there's easier and harder ways to fundraise. There are um, organizations that give more or less in financial aid. Um, that type of thing. So I would I would definitely pay attention to that. There, I think a lot of times students look at, or think about going abroad as a luxury that only wealthier people do. Um, and you know, interestingly enough, if you look at our student population, and we've sort of asked about household income and that type of thing, you know, a, a majority of our students are not coming from you know super wealthy families or that type of thing. A lot of our students are contributing their own, uh, you know, contributing a lot financially themselves to the program, saving up, working, fundraising, that type of thing. Um, and I do think actually students who, you know, put their own money into a program or, or work or save up or whatever it is, uh, do get more out of the experience at the end of the day because they just take it more seriously. Um, and I think, yeah, so I, I think that's one way to think about it. The the other sort of thing I would suggest thinking about when you're thinking about anything related to your career um, is that, you know, education, whether that's experiential education or academics, is usually not free. Uh, someone's sort of footing the bill at some point for your education. You know, for instance, even if you get a free you're an unpaid internship. Um, that's that's costing the hospital or you know the intern provider something, right? Either in the management's time or or whatever that is. So usually things in in education are not free. Um, everyone's used to sort of spending money on tuition, so that's sort of a very normal thing. And we and we all say, well, it's worth spending sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on my college tuition uh, because that's a stepping stone toward medical school. You know, my GPA really is sort of what you're looking at there. Um, But it's interesting because it's definitely, you know, people spend all this money on their GPA essentially and their, their college experience and the brand of their college, whatever that is. Um, But then they're not willing to spend you know, five, even $5,000 on great MCAT prep or, um, you know, or some sort of experience or travel or, uh, you know, something, uh, you know, interview prep. These other things that are extremely important for getting into medical school. 
Well, there's a there's a difference though because Uncle Sam pays for it up front in one respect, and for MCAT tutoring and for global healthcare, has to be more out of pocket. Uh, it's it's out of pocket, which for a lot of people that's a lot of money. That's uh, that is true. Uh, a huge expense um, for an upfront cost. That is true. Uh, one thing we've we've started doing a bit more of is, you know, some payment plans, and we're even thinking about how you know giving students options with loans. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, that no, a layaway right. program. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Though I mean, it is an upfront expense. Um, that's true. But at the same time, you know, I think, you know, a lot of I don't know the statistics on this, but I'm guessing, you know, students do, you know, spend quite a bit up front or at different points in their college tuition. Uh, even if they're not paying the full amount, they're mm-hmm. contributing or their parents are contributing significant amounts to their college education. Um, and all I'm saying is I, I think this doesn't necessarily apply just to global programs, but I think when you think about spending your dollars on education, you should really be thoughtful about okay, what really do I need in order to move to the next step um, in, in medical school? It's not always just sort of GPA. Um, these other things are super important. And sometimes it's actually quite hard to really to really sort of stand out and, and do really well in the other aspects of your application without good education, without good mentoring or help. Um, so I, I usually tell students, like, you know, if you, if you can – be really thoughtful about that and if you can invest in it you know go for it it's it's really smart to invest as much as you can early on in your education because of you know compounding compounding sort of returns on that um so earlier the better a a student who goes on a trip with atlantis Mm -hmm. what should they expect once they're in Barcelona, once they're in wherever their the trip is, uh, yeah. do they are they expected to just kind of go to the hospital, shadow, go home, and sleep, or is there mm. are, are there any other activities built in there, education built in there? What else is going sure. on? We do try to keep the focus of the program on the hospital. So, you know, on, I think some students have you know the question of. You know, is this sort of a, a more a fun program or is this more a pre-med like hospital focused program? Uh, we are very, we're very focused on the hospital experience. I mean, our hospital partners are, you know, really, I think I mentioned this earlier, but really serious uh, public hospitals in Europe. We partner with the National Ministry of Health in Italy. We work in some of the best public university hospitals in Italy. Um, regional health services in Spain and Madrid and other areas. We work in amazing, you know, public and private hospitals in Portugal and and Greece. So, you know, a lot of our focus is on the hospital experience. We spend a lot of time preparing departments, doctors, the hospital administration for our student groups every summer. Um, and so you'll see that in our in our programming, typically Monday through Thursday is very sort of hospital focused. So you're going to spend the majority of the day in a department and shadowing, usually one to one, sometimes with one other student, uh, so two to one, and some and shadowing actually interesting though, is is more exhausting than students usually rec- uh, realize. I mean, you're on your feet most of the day. Typically by about 3 p.m. or so, the students 
you know, the doctors have sort of moved on uh, to wrapping up their day and our students are coming back to the housing and sort of relaxing. And so we do some group meals, um, but Monday through Thursday is, is mostly hospital focused. Friday, we do a full day excursion. So we try to take students, you know, do something cultural or something local. Sometimes it's a historic thing, a cultural site. Sometimes it's more fun, like an outing, like hiking or kayaking or something like that. So we try to have some fun activity on Fridays. And then the weekends are pretty free. We, we actually used to do more sort of scheduled programming. And then we realized a lot of students weren't showing up because they wanted free time. They wanted to go around and explore the city, travel, that sort of thing. So we try to you know, leave some free time for students too. What else do we need to talk about so that students understand what's going on, what, uh, what is included, what's involved with going abroad? Yeah. There's some, some basic logistics that are important. And, and the two that I'll talk about, I think a lot of people are concerned about safety and they're also concerned about travel, the, the actual you know international travel and flight costs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's done quite a bit of travel now at this point, you know, it's it, I, I don't really think about these these problems as much. But you know, I think for a first time international traveler, uh, you know, safety and the travel aspect can be sort of daunting. Or for parents who are you know you're trying to convince to help support you in this. Uh, type of you know a, a global experience so a few resources that might be helpful for students we actually have our own little sort of flight guide but on the on the flight side of things i think it's important to realize that flight costs can vary a lot depending on sort of how you search and dates and times and different things so you should definitely be willing to invest a good bit of time I typically say, you know, a full afternoon or, you know, four to five hours in comparing flight flight prices and sort of looking at different options. Um, you want to do quite a bit of research uh, on the best flight because you can actually, you know, the, the diff- you can save literally, you know, hundreds of dollars by sort of tweaking little variables like departure airport, return date, different things like that. And a lot of times students don't realize that, so they get intimidated by the cost of a trip to Europe. We typically tell students from the East Coast that they should be able to find a flight if they're, you know, booking at least, you know, three to four weeks ahead of time in the $600, $700 range, which is often way less expensive than students and parents think it would cost. But that's just, that's typically what we've found is possible. On the safety side, uh, you know, there are great resources. You can use the U.S. Department of State's sort of safety ratings. Um, I think one thing people don't realize about Europe in particular is that even though there have been some concerns about and there have been some terrorist uh, attacks in, in Europe in the past few years, um, as a whole, if you look at, you know, statistically safety and like realistically where you're likely to get injured or not injured or hurt or harmed, most cities that students go to school in or are residing in in the U.S. are more dangerous than basically any place where we operate in Europe. Mm. And so there's it's sort of an irrational fear of, of sort of, you know. Of, of, <laughs> That's of what terrorism abroad. does to people. It and, does. And the media. And the media. <laughs> but it's really, I mean, we, we can't obviously for liability reasons promise safety yeah. for our students, but um, 
but it, you know if you look at it sort of rationally you know risk you're going you know it's 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 unlikely that you're going to be harmed on a on a trip to Europe you will probably have to deal with other potential issues like you know petty theft is more common mm. that type of thing but but violent crime typically much lower in Europe than anywhere in the US uh, you know obviously they've most places have sort of outlawed you know guns and that sort of thing so it, you know most of these places are pretty safe we we have more challenges with students you know and alcohol than anything else i mean i think that's the biggest safety risk um yeah. drinking age but yeah those are a couple of things i'd definitely mention if you're going abroad to think about very cool how can yeah. somebody get more information about atlantis really through our website so most things that we do are, are through there our application is online uh, we have a lot of great information we're actually sort of redoing the website uh launching some new pages this week um atlantisglobal.org and you can uh you can schedule a call with any of our people here in the office they can sort of help you think through it uh through the program yeah so we're happy to happy to help uh, really, it's always fun to sort of get to know pre-meds on their path and understand if it's a good fit for them. All right, so there you have it again, Lawson from Atlantis. If you are interested in looking into an Atlantis fellowship, go to atlantisglobal.org. Again, that's atlantisglobal.org. And check out all of the amazing countries that you can have a healthcare experience in. And as we talked about, this is an expensive endeavor. It's it's an investment in, in an experience that potentially you may or may not need. Uh, and don't use this for, and don't use this thinking that this is going to put you over the top. This is going to be the experience that's going to get you into medical school. I don't want you to think about experiences like this for your application to to be the one thing that stands out in your application. If you can afford to go on one of these experiences without going into debt, then it's something to look into. If you can't, that's okay. Not going on one of these isn't going to put you behind any other students who are going on them. What these experiences will do is give you the experience of traveling around the world, exploring other cultures, seeing other healthcare, uh, uh, um, seeing other healthcare systems, and meeting a group of students in a different setting and really bonding and, and forming relationships with those people. Whenever you go on trips like this, the, the amount of bonding that happens in such a, a short amount of time is amazing. And so, yes, they, they are amazing experiences if you can afford to go on it. If you can't, I don't want you to feel like you're, you're, you're not going to get into medical school because of that. Now, this is something that uh, hopefully Atlantis and these other organizations can work on to, to bring the cost down for students or to at least offer different opportunities for students to pay for these uh, including maybe getting credit for school, so it's maybe part of your student loans and and some other options as well. So check them out again, atlantisglobal.org and see where they can take you in the world. Hope you have a great, great day and a great week. Next week, we're gonna talk to a student who disclosed on his application 
that he had multiple alcohol incidences, but still got in to multiple schools. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. (laughs) 